Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This is our Q&A show. Every week, I post a personal development question on my Facebook page at Agent K. Miller to hear the real-world testimonies of people's journeys to change and grow. Uh, and I invite you to join me in these weekly discussions. And today's episode, our topic is How Stopping Bad Habits Creates Good Habits. I asked Ziggler listeners this question in the past year, what's a bad habit you've stopped and, or what is a good habit you started? Then what have the results been responses covered topics such as stopping bad diets or smoking or drinking or cursing negative thinking. And of course, a lot more plus starting good habits such as exercise, meditation, devotions, prayer, and many cited a lot getting new positive input. This is a primary message from Tom Ziegler's new book, Choose to Win. So, of course, I had Tom join me to talk through the responses. And I put this show high on the inspiration list as you hear real people dealing with real issues and, and having real success while also testifying that, yes, the struggle is also so real. And I found myself sharing a lot of my own challenges with habits, as did Tom. And speaking of Tom's book, Choose to Win, we have a request. Will you go to Amazon and leave a review for the book? If you haven't gotten it, of course, please get it. But leave a review for the book. And for the first 25 people who leave a review and email Tom personally at tom at ziggler.com, we've got two things to offer you. One, uh, Tom's Choose to Win Little Book of Big Quotes. You'll get that for free. And then two, you get to ask Tom one question, literally. So you email him at tom at ziggler.com. Tell him the username uh, for the review that you left. And you get to ask him a question and he'll respond uh, personally. So again, leave the review in Amazon, then email Tom at Ziggler.com and let him know your username and you'll receive those two offerings. And I thank all of you who do so in advance. Uh, before I'm joined by Tom to talk through your comments, I've got three really incredible resources to share with you. All right, friends, here then I bring you Tom Ziegler and your comments in response to the question, in the past year, what is a bad habit you stopped and or what is a good habit you started and then what have the results been? All right, Tom, well, here we are with a question that comes from that fortuitous occasion with you on stage being asked, what, Tom, do you think is the quickest way to success? And your answer off the cuff was... The fastest way to success Fast. is to replace bad habits with good habits. And there you are. And so from that and from your book, Choose to Win, the question I posed was, in the past year, what is a bad habit you've stopped and or what is a good habit you've started? Then what have the results been? And you know what? I, can, I could put you on the spot here. In the past year, Tom Ziegler. Is there a bad habit you stopped and or a good habit you have started? What comes to mind first? Well, I think in the last year, really, uh, the number one thing is I'd hurt my shoulder a couple of years ago and I just quit working out. Uh, I mean, that was an excuse not to walk, not to do anything. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know how your shoulder relates to your feet, but yeah. So back in March, uh, we got an elliptical. And I started doing um, elliptical five days a week and also stretch band 
uh, for my weights. And I've been doing that five days a week since then. It's amazing. You know, you don't realize how much benefit there is until you get into it for a little while and realize how kind of crummy you were feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think for myself, is there a, a bad habit I have stopped or a good habit? I didn't think this through myself for my own. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly switching things around, uh, and cycling through different habits. Uh, but a bad one that I have stopped. I'm gonna have to think about that as we go through the show here. It'll jog my mind a little bit. I should have prepped for this. Uh, well, Hey, I'm going to jump into the questions or the, the comments. I'm sorry. We got a bunch of them and my team categorized them a little bit. The first one, uh, just happened to be a lot of people just posted on dietary aspects. Uh, so Shane here, he says, I stopped eating fast food, started following a healthy lifestyle program. I lost 60 pounds since January. And as we're recording this, it is uh, July. So six months. So since January, I feel like I have control of my life slash health back. Man, that's huge. It's, I think it's interesting too, that he, a primary avatar, if I can call it that is he stopped eating fast food. It's so amazing how there, cause I'm sure he did some other things. It's not that he stopped eating fast food and then he lived on donuts otherwise at home, obviously, but it was probably a catalyst. And I so often see that if we take one thing and just take, take control of that in our lives, it, we t- it tends to, it's like the ripple effect. And we make total domino, total yeah. domino effect. Uh, you know, whenever I see something like that, I had, I had a similar experience when I switched from processed food, which is a lot of fast food into whole foods. But I remember in college, uh, my friend and I, we went on a ski trip to Colorado. So 14 hour drive. And we decided to eat a little McDonald's cheeseburger every hour. (laughs) Total, total college thing. That's something. So we bought 28 cheeseburgers. I think it was 30 bucks. I mean, that's what the price was back Mm -hmm. then. And first hour was good. Second hour was good. I mean, these are little third hour was good. We were pretty much done by the fourth hour, right? We'd had enough. And somehow one of the bags of cheeseburgers made it under my car seat in the middle of the trip. And then it was four months later, I'm cleaning out the car and I found that bag of cheeseburgers and I opened it up. And they looked exactly the same. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> so you see that stuff on YouTube, the videos. I mean, yeah. it is true. And so that's kind of the mental image that I have when I think of like fast food. Yeah. Is, you know, you're basically eating something that if you eat that, you don't even need to be embalmed anymore. I yeah. think <laughs> your body will not break down. Well, in the book from Michael Pollan, that guy's become a, a legendary name in the world of, of nutrition and stuff. Even though he's not a doctor, he's a he's a journalist, and he wrote the book Food Rules, a little book you can read it in thirty minutes. You'll laugh; it's funny and it's so profound. But he, he would say to that, uh, well, actually, one of his lines in there, one of the chapters, if it, if you get it through a drive-through window, it is not food. And to that, he would say that does not qualify as food just because the FDA, FDA approved that it won't kill you right then and there on the spot does not qualify it as a food that actually has any nutritional quality or benefit to your body other than something to burn to keep you alive. Well, one of the one of the food rules that I created when I talked about this and choose to win was uh, I noticed that 
when you buy bread, like normal bread, like, you know, wonder bread, it can stay in the pantry for like a month before yeah. anything happens to it. And it's because the, the mold won't eat it, right? It doesn't have anything of value yeah. and it's got those preservatives. So my full food rule is this. If it's not good enough for the mold, it's not good enough that's for me. That's a great rule. That that's a that's a rule that we should all adhere to. And I re- I just remembered one uh, a bad habit that I stopped. And it's not this is bad for everybody, but for my own makeup, I was told caffeine was not helping me. I'm hyped up enough, anyways, and uh, it was probably caused me more problems. So I cut out caffeine totally, probably for about six months. Now I am probably better than fifty percent decaf, but I will do caffeine a little bit. Here and there. So there you go. Well, and I think some people even mentioned that Joe Pelloretto, Pelorito, he says bad habit was broken that he broke drinking alcohol. He says very rarely now, never at home. A good habit he added is 10 to 20 minutes of meditation every day. And a habit he needs to drop is checking social media too often. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's a growing one. We're hearing more and more about. Good news. I remember, of course, dad's um, doctor was Dr. Kenneth Cooper. Um, and dad was having a conversation with him and they just come out with the whole study of, uh, you know, if you drink two glasses of wine a day on average, you live longer, less stress, all that stuff. And then I'll never forget because we were we were at dinner. Dr. Cooper said, well, I looked into the study and he said, there's there's a couple of things that you need to understand. First off, if you drink two glasses of wine a day, then you probably are a pretty stable person to begin with. And what they did in the study is that if you're drinking more than two glasses of wine or if you're drinking Elevates, they drop you out of the study. Oh, wow. Right. So the study impact was actually uh, faulty because the people who be- had a problem with it got dropped out of the study. Right. Huh. And the second thing he said was, you know, this, the antioxidants that you get from it, the benefits from it, uh, you could actually get by having a handful of, of grapes and taking a bare uh, baby aspirin and no, no addiction challenge there. <laughs> so I was like, so I noticed that he put in, he doesn't drink at home ever. Um, and I'm not sure why, maybe that's because of kids or you just don't want it in the house, but that is, that's awesome. Yeah. I've done, I've done that. Oh, I've done fasts from wines because which I enjoy uh, a lot and done fast. And it really came from, as, as you know, Dr. Randy James, your doc. Uh, and it was him, he and I talking, we both, we really enjoy wine. And he said, I just want to make sure that I am not in, in a sense addicted to it, that I'm not relying on it, that I can go without it. And so we've done a lot of fasts, well, fast from food, fast from, uh, wine. And I do that pretty frequently. And I've done that one too, where I just say, I'm not going to have it at home. If we go out and, and, uh, you know, have a glass of wine with dinner or something, I'll do that. And so there's lots of ways to play with it. I think the yeah, important thing is to make sure that you, it's not controlling you. Well, speaking of, uh, beverages we've got here, I'm going to whip through three Lori Surchik. She says, I stopped drinking diet soda, diet pop. It was hard. And once in a while, I still have one, and uh, she said I started reading more, and I she just said she just finished up Inner Size. Inner Size was uh, the book by 
gosh, I'm going to have to look behind me here. You know what? I think I took it away. No, there it is. It's a uh, John Asaraf. We interviewed him a couple months yeah. ago. Incredible book. So she says she just uh, finished that up too. But anyway, stop drinking pop. And she added in reading uh, Lorena Morris right after says, that's exactly what I was going to write. It's the same thing I did. James Sharp. He says no soda or diet soda since February. Uh, also no more sweet tea or sweetener in my coffee. I used to drink 10 to 12 diet soda cans per day and add three to four sweetened lows to my McDonald's sweet tea. Billy Wells now too. She says, I stopped sodas, cold Turkey with little issue. I totally love the whole experience of a soda and like smokers I've stopped and started. It actually was after reading the untethered soul. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that book. She says, now I'm doing uh, gut bliss must be some program for 20 days. I decided to improve my eating, adding more fruits, veggies, and cutting processed foods, gluten, soy, and dairy to repair my gut. I also made it tons easier by this book, uh, the untethered soul again, haven't read that. Well, there you go. Just on, you know, diet pop and, you know, we've all got our, I think it speaks so much to vices. We all tend to gravitate, especially in America and our culture with food and drink to these vices that we have and whether we're overdoing it or not. Again, I still like to come back to the thing of, can I do without it? Do I control it or does it control me? But I'm still enamored by that. The catalyst of giving up something that, or with, let's say abstaining from something uh, that you do so much, especially if it can have a negative connotation, what a catalyst that seems to be for your ability to bring so many back in. I mean, do you, are you seeing that as you're you know, going along the journey of the book and this message, Tom, that when you do give up a bad habit, exert that uh, discipline to give that up, that it's easier also to take on that when you get rid of the bad habit to take on the good habit. You know, when I was doing the research for choose to win, um, it's, you know, nature abhors a void. You've probably heard that whenever there's a void, something seeks to fill it. And you've probably heard that, you know, it's real common for people when they quit smoking to gain a few extra pounds. Uh Uh, And they've traced a lot of that back to, the physicality of it, like just having something in your hand or just bringing something to your lips actually soothes the psyche. Uh, It's not just the nicotine deprivation that you're trying to fix. It's, you know, it's that physical act. And so anytime you can replace a bad habit with a good habit, uh, that's why people who get, uh, when they quit drinking soda and then the one person who's working on their gut, gut health, uh, is kind of a catalyst for that. It's like a triple win because it's not just I'm not drinking soda and I'm doing this other good thing. It multiplies out the the it's it's like exponential the type of benefit that you get. The other thing I love about that uh, gut health thing is that you know you've heard the saying that you know the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Mm-hmm. And they're saying now that the endorphins and a lot of the feel-good hormones and chemicals that we create in our brain actually originate in our stomach. So if we have the right, wrong kind of diet, <coughs> excuse me, if we have the wrong kind of diet, and we've had antibiotics or other things in there that have killed the natural gut, we're we're just you know our our mindset is just off because the the imbalance that's there. Yeah. Uh, so I love that. And if, you know, at the country club, when I was playing golf all the time, I had these uh, ping I two brilliant copper 
You know, that was the metal they were made with. And the way I used to clean them is I would go to the bartender uh, and he would fill up a bucket of Coke for me, Mm Coca-Cola. And then I would leave my club sitting in the bucket of Coca-Cola overnight. (laughs) I would come in in the morning. They would be sparkling clean because of the chemicals and the acids that's in it. It's a harsh. What does common sense say about putting that in your stomach? Oh my gosh. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So what, well, you mentioned smoking, actually, we got a couple here, uh, Claudia Espinosa. She says, I quit smoking and caffeine at the same time. Those were the hardest three days of my life. I seriously went through withdrawal. I replaced it with a stair climb. I realized I was doing it. This is kind of like what you talked about that habit. I was doing it for the break from my computer. So now I go for a hallway walk and stair climb. If only I have time to take a short break or a walk outside. Um, if I have a long, or if, you know, if I have a longer break, I'll do more is the best decision ever. So there you go. You replaced a bad habit with a good habit. And then, uh, it looks like Tiago. He says three years ago, I decided to lose some weight. This created a domino effect in my life. Because of this, I stopped smoking. I work out three to four times a week. I lost 60 pounds and have a better body. I have a stronger willpower to accomplish the things I want, which gave me the courage to start a side business while working a full-time job. I have a better mindset, which allows me to spend more time with my kids and enjoy life. Can't get a better testimony than that. No, that's... You know, for everybody who's posting here, I'm like doing high fives into the camera. Yeah. This is, that's just fantastic. That is. And again, I love that catalyst. You know, it it reminds me back when I used to work with so many people trying to pursue self-employment, we would often come and say, you know, go find a win that you can do and just prove to yourself that you can do something. You can change, you can grow. And whether that's, you know, run a 5k, stop smoking, whatever, do that. That'll give you, that'll be a catalyst often to help you believe, Hey, I can do it. Just like Tiago shows there. He started with one thing and created the domino effect and it has led to, so it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds. Well, here's a, go ahead, Tom. Yeah. I was just going to say, this is kind of my, my linking brain, um, going next, next, next. Yesterday morning, uh, every Monday at Ziegler, we have our Ziegler devotional uh, and we have more guests than we have team members. So if you're ever in Dallas at 7.30 and you want to come by Ziegler devotional Monday morning, be our guest, just call in advance, let us know you're coming. Uh, And our leader, uh, her name is Veronica. She's a Ziegler certified trainer. She's also a first responder. She's actually a second responder, meaning she goes to these tragic events and she's a chaplain to the first responders and the victims. Mm. Um, And then she said something interesting. She said that the majority of people who get diagnosed with uh, kind of a mental challenge, you know, depression, PTSD, something like that. um, Most of them it's, they get that way because they've never learned resiliency. Mm -hmm. In other words, they've never been taught how to cope, how to overcome, how to address. And so what happens is, and it's not, we're not saying anything uh, that's not well known, but it's the, the challenges are real. The issues you go through are real. And if they snowball up, then you get in a situation where you can't get out of it. Well, when you hear somebody who makes a good decision and it's, and then it starts to snowball in the right direction. Yeah. 
what's happening is you're really teaching yourself a resiliency skill. And a resiliency skill is, is no matter what situation or circumstance I'm in, no matter how many times I get knocked down in a row, there's always a choice or a decision that I can make right now that's going to improve where I am right now just a little bit. And there's something about the human spirit and grit, if you want to call it, that when we know we can do a little bit extra, like when we know when we get the urge to smoke, I'll just go do the stairs, right? And you do that all day long and you lay down in bed. You may still want to smoke, but there's a part of you that says, wow, that was a good day. And then you've got that, that courage to go do it again. And so one of the things I love about the simple principle of replacing a bad habit with a good habit is it really is kind of self-prescribed uh, resiliency mm-hmm. without any downsides, right? There is no negative downside to doing these things. And so uh, my my candle's getting lit reading each one of these, res- yeah. these, these responses. I mean, it's good stuff. Well, it's stuff we all deal with every day, your aspect of resilience. I just got out of a lunch meeting with a group of people led by a lady who's dealt with chronic illness and disease. And she talked about that specific thing, the resiliency of the resilient aspect of her life. That's changed things more than anything else does. She changed her environment and, and, and whatnot, but it was the fear that she had associated with this. She, she dealt with mold issues and stuff like that. The fear that was so debilitating. And once she got past that, just the mental aspect of it, she was really able to get herself on the road to healing. And that's what she does. She helps people get out of that rut of chronic illness and disease where so much of it, then, you know, you come up with a real issue, but then the long-term effects are so often, uh, you know, in our head, which everybody, it sounds so shameful, but everything's in our head. Even real pain is in my head. You know, if you, if it's not in my head and you prick me with a pen, I don't feel it. It it goes and sends a signal, but so often then that path gets grooved in there. And even when we're not having that actual pain, it still exists. The fear exists in our heads and Boy, it's a big, I mean, that's what we do. That's what we talk about here. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, here are a few that came under, my team put them under kind of a spiritual or mental aspect. Uh, George, hey, you know, you know, George, uh, or Jorge. Uh, Jorge. Yes. I'm the, there's the American saying George. Jorge. He goes by either one. I've asked him many times. Okay, great. Well, he said his habit was two chairs, uh, which is Bob Bodine, your buddy and mentor. He says, uh, Jorge says two chairs every day in the morning. I have a special time to pray and to say thanks to God for everything that happens around my life. Uh, and he said, I hope, hope you guys are doing well, which we are. Um, but that's man, that's a huge one. You know, I got to give a testimony. My, uh, one of my daughters, her significant other, listened to the podcast that we did with Bob on two chairs was so impacted by it. Told me that I sent uh, Bob a note and asked him if he would send an authored book or an autographed book to this, to this, this young man, which he did made his day. So that was just a recent thing. So just uh, uh, grateful to Bob. His heart is, as you know, is uh, an amazing thing an amazing anointing. You know, um, that two chair story. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, basically what two chairs is, is every morning you set up a time with two chairs, one for you, one for God. And that's what Jorge is saying is he's, he's just got the, 
the chair up and it's a reminder in, in what he teaches in the book is you ask God three questions. Do you know what's going on? Yes. Are you big enough to handle it? Yes. What's the plan? And just the same kind of idea of meditation. We never, we're always inputting into our brain all the time, but we never take time to just listen. Right. And so that is the idea. Well, one of the blessings uh, that's happened with that book, two chairs is there was an anonymous donor. Bob has no idea who it is. They made it their book of the year and they purchased 250,000 copies. Wow. And they gave that to, uh, first responders, uh, law enforcement, fire, paramedics, and prisoners. So it's in prisons all over the country now. Uh, Bob told me I had breakfast with him last week. And this is awesome. And he was kind of distracted, kind of in a hurry with his family. And he kind of cut in front of a policeman. Oh. So the guy pulls him over. And says, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm going to church. You know, he kind of had that sheepish grin of, yeah, I was. He goes, "Uh, are you Bob Bodine? And he says, yeah. He said, you wrote two chairs, didn't you? He said, yeah. He goes, oh, I liked your book. (laughs) Keep it safe. Keep it slow. Great. So the point was, is that somebody had given this guy this book. And so two chairs is kind of a movement that's going around and the, the thing I love about it is a good habit is whether you're a believer or not, or unsure, you know, when you sit down and you ask the question, if the creator of the universe would, would come and sit with you for a minute, would you take the chance? It's just a great concept. And so people from all walks of life, all faith backgrounds, we're just, you know, Bob tells me stories every time I meet with him. It's just really, really powerful. Well, there you go. So you can check it out. It's the number two, two chairs. You can find it at Amazon or wherever you get your books, but yeah, an amazing amount of testimony from that book. Well, Gemma here, she says, I stopped listening to news broadcasts and started tuning into Ziegler podcasts. Uh, I turned to my audio books and I began weekly meditations. They all keep my soul refreshed. Well, hey, I'm glad to fit into her good habits category. Uh, Zoe here, she says, bad habits stopped watching or listening to content with a lot of cuss words, regardless of how good the content is touted to be. I shocked myself when the words started appearing in my own thoughts. A good habit that I started is intentionally starting with the word each day. It was really hard at first, and I had to literally force myself to do it on many, many occasions. Now, after 300 plus days in, it's getting to be a stable habit. My mind is more anchored, and I'm less anxious as well. It's so that brings me back to Joshua Spodek who we interviewed, and I don't remember the show number. He's an astrophysicist. He's done a bazillion things, but he talked, he had a blog series on Sitcha, self-imposed daily challenging healthy activities. And I'm saying that in regards to her talking about reading the Bible. Of course, we would look at that and go, great. She's getting, you know, the word of God and, and and that's great input, which it is, of course, I'm not going to minimize that at all because I, I adhere to that as well. But to her saying that her mind is just more anchored overall, overall, she's less anxious as well. Is it about the content? Sure. Part of that is, but it's also part of just the discipline of doing that. And that's what Joshua wrote about is that we do these good habits and we so often think, okay, I'm going to do that habit. So I get the benefit 
of that habit. I'm going to do 20 push-ups a day so I get you know stronger muscles. I'm going to read in my Bible so that I get the Word of God. I'm going to do X, Y, Z so I get that. And he says, those are great, but he says the benefit for our brain of consistently doing a good health. Again, you got to listen to it. It's self-imposed. Nobody's forcing you. You do it. You don't have to. So you're doing it. Self-imposed daily, challenging, healthy activity. So it's not just anything. There's some structure there. But to do that, he says, it's what the benefit your brain gets, your mind gets from doing that thing that you don't have to do that over time builds up. And it's more valuable than the sum of just each of those habits. And it was really intriguing research that he did on that. And, and, and he showcases some incredible stories in that. So if you type in Joshua Spodek, S P O D E K Sidcha, S I D C H A A, you'll find his writing on that. But again, the power just to, to your message here, Tom, of doing these good habits, doing the things that we don't have to do helps us then do the things that we want to do that we so often don't. And how many of us are that way that we go and the years go by things we want to do and we haven't done them. And he's saying, here's some programming and it's right along your good and bad habits. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I just, I, uh, one of my good habits that I picked up, um, is now I, I, I've always thought, you know what, I'm going to join audible. So I finally joined Mm -hmm. audible and I'm listening to, I'm probably at a pace of better than one book a week. Okay. And this is a book that's just in my car or when I'm on my elliptical, right? Those are the two times that I listen. Uh, So it was things when I was, you know, didn't, I I found extra time, two for one stuff, right? Which I'm a big believer in of any time you can do two good things for, you know, for the price of one. And so I'm listening to, uh, I got an old classic, The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah. And it's amazing you know, how old this wisdom is and how easy it is for us to push it out or say, that's not for me because it takes effort to do it. Right. And if you, if you do what uh, Joshua talks about and you just stretch yourself a little bit every day, you now have a capacity and a resiliency and a grit and everything else. So that when the rest of the world sits down, you're still going strong. You know, it's um, it's not we we should never judge ourselves compared to other people. Yeah. Right. And what we teach is that and what we talk about all the time is that what am I doing with the gifts and talents that God's given me? What how am I maximizing my abilities? And it's funny how as difficult as it is, we can always do a little bit more. And what dad said, this is a great quote. uh, Do what you need to do when you need to do it. And the day will come when you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, there is, I mean, there, there's the outline for habits It's brain training. I mean, everything we talk about here on the show, personal development, we are talking about training our brains to get us doing the things that we want to do, get us achieving. It's back to your be, do, and have well. Here's an interesting one that uh, is is worth a, a quick comment. I think Johnny Ferris. He says, "I stopped watching broadcast news for almost two years. The result: I don't get caught up in the fear of the day. I get to choose and research what is important to me." 
So that's when I remember, you know, of course, Zig tongue in cheek talking about, you know, he gets, he, he reads the news every day in the Bible so he can see what both sides are up to. Right. Uh, and, and I get that, you know, but listen to what Johnny said. He says, he said, I stopped watching broadcast news. Doesn't mean he was oblivious to the news. Cause I hear that debate a lot. You know, Hey, if you don't pay attention to the news, you don't know what's going on. So I'll, I'll be candid with myself. I read the headlines every day. I'll check on a couple different news sources. I'll look at the headlines that enough is pretty much depressing, but I do it so that I do know what's happening. I know what's happening in, in politics and what's happening with the government. I know if there's a war going on, I know even just the pulse of our economy and the pulse of our, uh, you know, of the populace. I want to know what they're paying attention to, even if I don't agree or think it's junk. So I check the headlines, man. It's a huge difference than listening to the ongoing broadcast news that's going on because here's the big, here's the big headline from my standpoint. I mean, I, I, I grew up in media and in advertising and in marketing with the news. We've all heard this probably, but I don't think we really think about it. If it bleeds, it leads. Why? Because a news station's job, CNN and you know, CBS and ABC and all these different news places, their job is to get viewers. That's their job. It is to get viewers. That's what pays their salaries. I mean, they can't not do that. Now it's not to make them all bad people at all, but that is their core job is to get viewers. And so if there's a great story that they don't think enough people care about, they're probably not going to run it, or it's definitely not going to make the main headlines. They're going to put on there the thing that they think the most folks are going to pay attention to. That's what pays the bills. And so if we think about that and that we tend to go towards drama, we tend to go towards, yeah, destruction. If it bleeds, it leads. And my gosh, one of the biggest things on the internet these days is pornography. They're not putting that out for anybody's benefit. They're putting it out to get viewers, uh, to make money. So I'm not comparing, I shouldn't compare. It's unfair to, 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 you know, uh, compare the news and, and pornography, but the business is the business. And, uh, and I understand that my job here, Tom, I mean, gosh, to be candid, is to get people to down to, to provide good value so that people download the show. I mean, we want more listeners, no doubt. I want you guys sharing these things so that we get more downloads. It helps fill Ziggler events, sell Ziggler products. It helps us get advertisers that pay for the show. I mean, no doubt. Now, hopefully you have trust that we are bringing you content that matters for you. Is that what your news station is doing? Either way, we're talking about you can change where you are, who you are by changing what goes into your mind. And I don't know that the daily news broadcast is a benefit. What do you think, Tom? <laughs> yeah. So here's a couple of uh, habit questions that you can ask yourself. Um, first off, what I do whenever I'm reading something or, or just cruising around getting headlines, I always try to guard my mind and ask myself, what's their motive? Because they're, if you know somebody's motive, and you guard your mind against the garbage uh, because we can't help it. It's going to come anyway. It's yeah. better to stay away from it altogether. Uh, you know, dad had the old illustration, you know, uh, he goes, would you go out in the garbage and dig through all the nasty stuff to find a biscuit? That's probably okay, but just a little stale. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but why would you look in the garbage in the first place? So that's like the first question you got to ask yourself, where are you looking for the good stuff, right? Are you looking for the good stuff in the place where good stuff's kept? Or are you justifying that look? The second one is, and this is a big one. So this could be a mantra for everybody. Uh, I saw some 
post about, you know, how much social media is enough and all that kind of stuff. Here's the question. Is what I'm about to do going to take me closer to or further from my dream goal or aspiration? Yeah. Is what I'm about to do. Now, social media is an interesting one because if you're connected with friends, if you're growing your business on social media, there's probably a meter. And the meteor meter probably has an optimum time. Let's just say the optimum time is 20 minutes a day. That's the hard part is how many of us will admit that as soon as we hit 20 minutes, we leave. I mean, I don't think anybody, I mean, that's, that's a great discipline to have that. Yeah. So you've got to have, okay, what's optimum. And then your brain has to be asking yourself the question all the time is what I'm doing, taking me closer to or further from my goal, aspiration or dream. So I, I'll tell you a quick story on that. Back in 19, probably 91, I lived with a guy. His name was Chuck Valapec. Chucky V is what they called him. He, he was on some uh, commercials. You know, he's not Glenn Plake. That's, that was the, a lot of guys know him, the ski guy who had this big mohawk. But Chuck did too. And he did some ads for I think, Gatorade some other places like that. Uh, so he was a professional cyclist. And then he turned to uh, triathlons. And had a guy one time, so we're living together doing the, you know, consummate thing. You go run, ride, swim all day long, do all that kind of stuff. And then you can eat pretty much whatever you want to and, and get away with it seemingly. But the guy said, Chuck, if you really want to win, I want you to look at everything you're doing and ask, is this helping my effort or hurting my effort? Is that in and, and Chuck's Chuck's perspective on that was the, you know, the nightly, it might be half a gallon of ice cream that he could do burning the calories he was, but is that the best thing, best thing to go in there and fuel him? Is it going to help or hurt? And he started following that and really thinking through that it wasn't too long after that, that he won Ironman Canada. Uh, it was his biggest win at that point. And that always stuck with me. And, and, you know, why do we not look at our lives like that? Um, you also mentioned something I just want to stick in there, Tom, you talked about something that made me think about as far as good habits. Another one that I have taken on is making sure at night I go to bed, uh, and I have a little ritual instead of just, cause it's so easy for me, especially with my big family. There's always some, you know, some group of kids or adults hanging out late and I've got to learn, I've had to learn to do what your dad did and say, Hey guys, I'm, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm heading to bed. And about nine 30 is when I'm thinking about doing that, but having a ritual instead of just going to bed, just boom, hitting the, hitting the covers. I've started reading a little bit, but I realized and, and reading and, and I do like to read some fiction. I, a lot of times I'm too brain dead to really intake anything of value. Uh, but I, you know, so I read a good story. But what is the story I'm reading about? Because you can read some fun science fiction. You can read some fun stuff. But I thought, man, it's it's not really putting me to bed with a good thought in my mind. And so these days, right now I'm reading, it's a, a faith-based fiction series. It's just tremendous. Cannot remember the author. But I love that I'm going to bed and it's it's kind of during biblical time. So I've almost got this great story that I'm eager to read what's happening next going on during these biblical times with a faith-based focus. And then you know, I wake up in the morning, it's still in my brain a little bit. And then I'm going right into the old Testament, which is where I'm studying right now and reading. And man, that is, that is so powerful. And it, but it just brought me back again to the power of what our minds are mulling on pondering at night when we go to bed and how that can just marinate in our heads all night long. It's pretty convicting as to what we are going to bed with our minds set upon. So there's a, a better habit that I've instilled as well. I love it. I love it. You know, dad used to, when he was real intense, he would work, he would get up in the morning and work in his performance planner on his goals. 
And then he would put the performance planner on his pillow and make the bed up. And then when he got in bed, there's the performance planner. And that was his trigger where he would review his, his dreams and goals. So imagine just the concept of reviewing the day and then focusing on your dreams and goals as you fall asleep. That is powerful to even to take, I'm thinking myself, even to take a primary thing that I want to think on and yeah, put a sticky note on my pillow of nothing else of just that reminder. I'm so amazed at how I can go have a, have a revolution, a revelation, have a conviction. And then the day goes by and I just flat out forgot about it. Just flat out forgot about it. And, uh, well, a few more here, Abby, she says, I have started waking up early to have an hour for exercise and quiet time with God and to plan my day. It has made a huge difference in my days so much so that I actually look forward to waking up early and having that one hour to myself now, uh, on that kind of a, on the same way like Walter, he says, I've gotten off the fast food and into the gym four days a week. That's also where I consume your podcast. Excellent. Yeah. I wonder how many people listen to us while they are working out. I'm glad to accompany that exercise. We had a lot of comments on that, but I appreciate what Abby said of just that, uh, learning to enjoy it. I mean, you've got to, you know, we've all got that numbers we've heard, Tom, you know, 30 days to start a new habit. I've heard a lot lately about, it really takes a lot longer than that. Maybe we don't need to do a number to it. It's like figuring out what's the, you know, how much water do you need? Well, it depends. What's your size? What kind of environment are you in? Are you exercise? Are you doing an ultra marathon or are you sedentary? You know, it, it depends. And I don't know how long it takes for you to start something and get to a point of saying, I actually like this. Zig talks about that, that it was nine months or something into running before he realized during a run, Hey, I actually like this. However, I'll have to say we've had some guests multiple actually where they have cited, you know what? I've been exercising for a long time. I still don't like it. I just don't. They flat out don't like it. Every one of them has said, I gave a, I, I hired a personal trainer. I invested the time and the money into that. Otherwise I won't do it. I know I need it. I know it's beneficial. I appreciate the benefits, but I have never, ever after years gotten to where I actually like that exercise. I don't like it. And I appreciate that too, that honesty. Cause I think we all tend to, you know, we'll, we'll shame ourselves and feel uh, guilty for something. And there are people out here producing great things that may be like you and they do not like exercise or whatever it is. And they're figuring out how to manage that anyway. So at least they still do what it is they need to do. Yeah. I, one of the people said they've been at 300 days of reading the word. And now it feels like a little bit of a habit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's truth. Yeah. Uh, the one thing book talked about 66 days is what a lot of studies okay. show. And what that means is that, your subconscious will say to yourself, if you didn't do it, Hey, something's missing. Yes. The day is incomplete. Yeah. It doesn't mean you like it. It just means that your whole body is like a little bit out of whack because you missed something. So yeah. we've got to hang in there for at least 66 days. We do. Uh, yeah. I, I really want to caution people. There's so many things that we hear quotes and statements that we grab onto that don't always resonate. I, I really love to get permission to, for people. You know, it's, there's no cookie cutter perspective that fits for everyone. Um, and you know, there's, there's one, there's a book called, um, Gosh, it may be even called crave. I can't remember, but it talks about you crave what you consume. So if you continue consuming it, you're going to crave it. If you'll quit consuming it, you won't crave it. I understand that perspective. I agree with it for the most part, though. I've also proved it wrong somewhat in my own life. 
I, I really like donuts, Tom. It is just a fact. I, I like donuts and I like cheesecake. Those are two top tier things for ice cream too. But for a treat, man, a, a donut, a good donut with a cup of coffee. Oh. And I used to imbibe in that probably three times a week. Then I got down to one time a week. And now for the most part, I just don't do it. There may be once every six months or so where I'll just, if I, if I want, want it bad enough, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. So I don't do it. I don't think about it all the time. Do I crave it? Man, as soon as that thing comes into my mind, absolutely. I can still taste it. I still like it. Am I ever going to get to the point where I'll say, nah, I could care less. I don't think so. I don't, cra- I don't consume it anymore, but I think I'll always crave it. It is, it is in my, I, I can, I'll always remember that taste and once in a blue moon, I'll do it. You know, again, just coming back to those statements, I think we get hung up about and we get, um, disillusioned with sometimes. Maybe, maybe we let it shame us that we are all so different. And I think the key, and I think that's what we hear in our habits shows that we do with our guests is that there, it is all an individualized process and we are all just figuring out how to manage our dysfunctions that may always be there. This is a a back to Ruth Sukup, who, uh, her book that we just talked about so much, do it scared and her perspective of, do we ever get rid of fear? Maybe not. What if we don't? But can we go ahead and do something anyways? Yes. And that's why her aspect of do it scared. My, uh, maybe my, that's my book, Tom. Do it dysfunctional. <laughs> what do you think? You put, well, that's, that's man, you, you, but Kevin, you put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> well, thanks for that. I don't know if I should be <laughs> pr- proud of that or ashamed. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to do, uh, think about that. Well, here's Brian. He says, uh, this is interesting. I gave up cussing. It's, uh, it's something I was not proud of. I never use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, but a new habit I started, but, but he said, I stopped that and I feel so much better about myself. Another habit, a uh, new habit I started about a year and a half ago was to take 15 minutes every morning and pray and name three things I am thankful for three things I did well the past day and three things I can improve upon. Oh, that was a neat list. Three things I'm thankful for gratitude. I think we've been hearing more and more about that. Three things that I did well, almost kind of encouraging himself in the past day. And then three things I could improve upon. It's a great perspective of encouraging yourself, gratitude, encouragement of yourself, not waiting on somebody else to do it of yourself, but then three things I can improve upon. I like that. He said it that way. Not three things I stunk at, not three things I was ashamed of myself at, but three things I could improve upon. Pretty positive perspective. I like that. I love it. Um, you know, one of the things that, and I, I wrote about this and choose to win. There's a thing called the sequence of success that we talk about. And that is that if you're ever stuck, you know, if you feel like you're in quicksand or life's got you down, no matter what you're doing, you're not having success with it. Mm-hmm. The way to break out of that is you're, you're doing two of them is one is a gratitude list. And two, what have I done well? Mm-hmm. And so when we create that victory list, what it does is it gets our brain out of what I, you know, kind of that, you know, the three things that people do when they're, when they're scared, right. (laughs) They fight, they flee or they freeze. And so the way to get your, your brain out of that fight, flee or free is to be grateful and to go over the victory list that creates hope, which opens up creativity, optimism and hope go hand in hand. You've got to have those two things to have real creativity. And so you're, you're actually uh, putting your mind in a state to be more creative. And so the third thing that you said there, what could I do better by laying the foundation of creativity? 
you're actually uh, creating an environment where not only can you figure out how to do better, but you're going to have more ideas on things that you can do better. Yeah. And that's about as powerful as a three. I mean, I love trinities and that's a trinity of trinities, which is really cool. So goodness, that's good. That is great. That's great. Jamie McClellan here. He says, I've stopped binging Netflix and I started meditating. I could say it's been uh, life changing in more ways than one. You know, Tom, the, the binging on Netflix, it's summertime. I've got, uh, you know, I've got teenage kids and of course the issue of screen time has come up a lot and we've had to talk about that because my gosh, I mean, Tom, I'm looking at you on a screen. You know, I said that the point is not even the screen. I spend most of my day on a computer uh, interacting, whether I'm writing stuff or, or creating stuff, doing business. I'm not there uh, getting entertainment. It's, it's, so in my kids, it's not screen so much. We're talking about idle entertainment, idle entertainment, whether it's video games, whether it's watching something and saying, how much does it make sense for us to have of that per day. And this has been ongoing, Tom. It seems like when I was a kid, they talked about the average person was watching four hours of TV a day. And that's all we had back then. Now with all the screens from our smartphones to our computers, we can spend the entire day looking at a screen. Okay. That's one thing, but how much of it is just the idle entertainment and where did that, and this is the discussion having with my family, where did that become a right? How much should we have per day of entertainment one. And, and again, even entertainment that is just idle, just sitting there with your brain kind of in neutral. We have gotten to where we think that that is a given right and a, almost a necessary rest for the end of the day. And yet it's interesting. What I've talked to my kids about is it's so interesting that, that uh, the people that they would be viewing online, whether it's TV show, movie, uh, YouTube video or whatever, those people are usually so busy creating. They don't have time to do what we're all doing and watching them. Who do they want to be the spectator or the creator? Do they want to be the participant or again, just the viewer? So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard place. Cause there's a lot of talk about shame in that and people get, uh, get offended with that, but it's just a relevant question. I think for us all, how much entertainment with our minds and neutral, how much should we have per day. And is it a right? Is it a necessity? Is it a requirement? Something to ponder. So here's a, here's a, for everybody listening, uh, here's a bad habit for good habit. The most destructive, harmful thing you can do as far as taking in information is to watch TV, anything like that. It puts your brain asleep. You don't have to create any images in your head. It connects all the dots for you. It takes you down the path. It wants to take you down. Uh, but if you still love input, right, everybody does, then cut back on TV 15 or 20 minutes and add a book in. It can be fiction. It can be nonfiction. But you build your brain. You literally, because you have to picture the scene and you fill it in yourself, mm -hmm. you're improving your brain power mm -hmm. in the process. So it's not always, well, I'm giving that up and there's nothing else good to go to. There's so much good to go to. Reading has so many benefits uh, as far as long-term health, creativity, you know, new ideas. You've heard the statement, you know, let's, let's don't talk about things or stuff. Let's talk about ideas. So what yeah. I recommend, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, read books that really get in the big ideas. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's gigantic. Even with the, you know, we've had some with the kids as opposed to somebody sitting there, a kid sitting there playing a video game by themselves. We'll allow them to do like the Wii Sports uh, and they have a new one. I don't even know what it is. They had it up the other day and it was a boxing thing. And we all literally ended up sweating upstairs in the rec room in front of this big TV screen that we have. And the kids the next day were sore. Uh, there aren't for throwing punches. <laughs> it was hilarious and laughter, man, that's I'll I'll take screens. If we're going to do that guys, that's that, that counts. Well, Tom, I'm going to end us on one that was just significant. Okay. Take, take me just a second to read through it. Uh, Barb Goni, she says, after a couple of years of experiencing what I have called conscious biases at work that amounted to severe distress and to even mental health issues, I realized that my disappointment had turned into bitterness, which had turned into utmost contempt for the leadership team at the organization I worked for. I realized I was also voicing my discontent perhaps a bit too often. I realized that even when most of my colleagues felt the same way, I had become the negative voice, or at least felt like there was more negativity in conversations about work uh, for me than ever before. So I decided to stop and to purposely avoid sharing my opinion whenever someone brought up the whole management issue. At first, it was hard, and I found myself rolling my eyes as a means to express my feelings. But eventually, the eye rolling stopped too and was, was replaced by a smile and a sigh, as if to say, oh, well. And then that smile just turned into a real smile, more like saying, ain't life funny. What I've learned is that disrupting, this is the line, disrupting my default response and replacing old habits with healthier ones can totally change the way I feel about, experience, and even think about the issue that had affected me in the first place. It has not solved the issue, but it solved my issue and allowed me to experience a calm mind again. I had since vowed, to never again allow my circumstances to alter the way my mind operates, nor to disturb my inner peace. And needless to say, I have left that employer as well. How profound. That's a chapter in your book right there, Tom. That is. That yeah. is so awesome. And it's really a testimony to the power of choice. Mm -hmm. And we can't control our circumstances, but we can control how we react or respond to our circumstances and, you know, just a little uh, a little future for, uh, nugget for the future. I'm working on my next book, which is called Atmosphere. Hmm. And so it's different than culture. It's, gosh, you know, it's it's different than the environment. Atmosphere is, it's, it's spiritual, right? It's that feeling that we have. And what Barbara just talked about is, wow, she has created her own atmosphere. Right. And when our own atmosphere is healthy, then the atmosphere around us gets healthy or it draws us to somewhere else that's got a healthy atmosphere. I mean, it's just it's like a it's like a law yeah. that happens. I'll, I'll close with this story that kind of uh, ties that one down. Years ago, we did a project for the airport here in Dallas, and it was back in the days of toll booths where you actually stopped, talked to human being, gave them money for your ticket. Right. Yeah. So we were doing uh, staff development training, team building training, customer service training, and we, we walked into kind of a mess. 50% of the employees were really unhappy with the environment. I mean, their, their office was in the sun and they had to open the door all the time to talk to the customers who were mean and didn't always have payment. And there was people behind them honking the horn. It was terrible. They didn't like management. They didn't like where they worked. They didn't like anything. The other 50% were thrilled. 
they thought it was the best thing ever. So here was the difference. The 50% who loved it, they were all immigrants. Yeah. And they couldn't believe they had their own office. And they couldn't believe that when they closed the door to their office, it was air conditioned. And so perspective, a lot of times determines our atmosphere. But here's the reality. The reality is the temperature is going to be what it is. It's going to rain. It's going to it's going to snow. It's going to blow. It doesn't matter. That's the reality. But we can either walk in and say, you know what, compared to like 95 percent of the world where I work, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Right. And so guess who did better? Yeah. Guess who went home happier? Guess who had better better medical checkups? So there is no downside to choosing the habit of creating the right atmosphere. Yeah. And Barb, that's what you did. I mean, you, you realize, wait a second, this atmosphere, it's up to me. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Couldn't anchor it better than that. Gosh, Barb and everyone just always so grateful for your candid, heartfelt uh, insightful responses. Thank you for sharing because you're speaking for so many people and speaking into so many people's hearts. Tom, always a gift to do these with you, brother. All right. Appreciate you, man. Good job. As always. Friends, I mean, when it gets down to it, I don't know if there's anything better that we can give you here at the Ziegler Show than the motivation to continue adding good habits, daily good habits into your life and of course, stopping bad habits. But what we so often find is when you put in more and more good habits, they kind of by proxy just push out. There's not time to do the bad habits and there's no will generally because you start doing the good habits. You want to continue the inertia of those good habits. So I hope this was further inspiration and equipping to do so. If you got value from the show, the best way to thank us, leave us a review in iTunes. Coming up in episode 699, our topic is how to make decisions with confidence. The most successes, the most powerful successes in our lives come as a result of making decisions. And yes, that includes some bad decisions that help us get to the good ones. But to achieving anything of value, I mean, it comes at the hands of decision-making. Yet how often have you heard guidance on how exactly to go about making decisions with confidence? It's really, I think, a void out there until now. And in this episode, I bring you David Meltzer. David has gone and done a lot of things, but this is what initially piqued my interest in him. Check this out. David was CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, and he not only served as creative and technical consultant for the movie Jerry Maguire, but Lee Steinberg is literally who Tom Cruise played in the movie. And I mean, as far as entrepreneurialism and decision-making in the moment, the real gravity of it, I mean, Jerry Maguire, that movie is a veritable playbook. Well, David's new book is Game Time Decision-Making, High-Scoring Business Strategies from the Biggest Names in Sports. A primary premise of the book is learning to be prepared to make decisions in the moment with confidence, clarity, balance, and focus. I mean, nobody doesn't want that. Everybody does want that confidence, clarity, balance, and focus and decision-making in the moment when you need to do it. Uh, Dave, if you don't know him, he's the CEO of Sports One Marketing, a firm he co-founded with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Uh, you football fans will remember Warren as the star quarterback for a decade with the Houston Oilers. But David is a Forbes top 10 keynote speaker, an award-winning humanitarian, and two-time national best-selling author. It was a really rich and heart-to-heart 
conversation, friends. Uh, You're going to enjoy it. Till then, thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>